Welcome and thank you for joining us for the next podcast in millinery.info. Today's podcast is with Julia Knox, the owner of East Village Hatters in Manhattan, New York City. us in your beautiful hat shop here in New York City, Julia. Um, how did you first become involved with the store? Well, I moved to New York about eight years ago. Um, one of the first things I did was enroll at FIT and take some millinery classes. I've been a fashion designer since college and um, the millinery classes just <coughs> captured my imagination, you know, in that particular way that hats do. And um, so after my first couple of semesters there, my uh, professor there introduced me to Barbara, who was looking for uh, a successor. Yeah, so about seven years ago, Barbara and I got together, and um, about a year and a half ago, I finally did take over. Fantastic. And when Barbara took over, when you took over from Barbara, were you in the same location, or have you moved the store? <laughs> we, we did move the store, so uh, classic New York story to be bought by greedy developers who want more and more money and so Barbara was bought out of her lease about a year and a half ago and I had the opportunity to take over the business but have to find a new space to do it in so that was pretty exciting but I managed to talk a lovely lady from our street out of her lease (laughs) in this amazing space and um, together with a contractor friend we designed it so that it would be a retail space, a workshop, and also a teaching space. So it's like a very versatile space, all based around this amazing workbench, which is basically the weight of an elephant. Yes. Has all the trims <laughs> in drawers underneath, um, and is on great big industrial wheels, so it rolls around to the middle of the store, and then the whole space becomes a classroom. Amazing. And so do you, how often do you host classes in the space? Well, I teach about twice a month different classes, make your own fedora, make your own fascinator, kind of beginner stuff. And, um, but then I have guest teachers from all over the world come to us about once a month. And so I've had some wonderful milliners from Australia. Uh, Rose came and chatted to us, Rose Hudson, and uh, Jane Stardard has taught a series of classes, which was wonderful. And I hope to have uh, Jill Humphreys and uh, Stephanie Spencer... And then wonderful European teachers too, like Maor from Tel Aviv, who actually was the first visiting teacher we had, and um, and J. Cal from up in Canada. I don't know if you know her work, but she is, I mean, she really, when she explores a new material, she like explores every possible way that it could be used. And um, so when she teaches a masterclass, she has so much to give you tip-wise. And also it's such a unique way of looking at things because she's a... Uh, she took a lot of classes in Australia, but like I say, when she really explores the material, she really makes it her own. So the stuff that she teaches is not like what anybody else is doing. Yeah. And within your store here at the moment, we're in winters, you've got a lot of felt hats. Who um, comes into your store and what, uh, what are they looking to find? You know, it's New York, so everybody comes through New York eventually, right? (laughs) And our customer is super diverse. We have Americans who are going to their first European wedding and need guidance as to how to not stick out like a sore thumb. (laughs) But also, like, there's a real rise in um, hat wearing in the U.S. We saw a lot of casual hats. Like, Americans are much more likely to wear a casual hat than an Australian or an English person. 
Um, I'm from England, obviously, so I, uh, you know, at home, you're much more likely to wear a hat to a wedding than you are to walk down the street. Americans are much more likely to wear a hat to walk down the street than they are to wear one to a wedding. So we sell a lot of casual hats, a lot of practical hats. The weather here is really extreme. So it's really cold in winter, so you really need a hat. And the sun is really intense in summer, so you really ought to be protecting yourself. Yeah, a lot of people make a hat part of their daily wardrobe. Um, but the fancy hats are more and more popular all the time. We do a lot for Kentucky Derby. More and more people are wearing them to weddings over here. Um, or even putting on their wedding invitation that they're compulsory. Amazing. Which is nice to see. <laughs> so occasionally we've done whole wedding parties. And do you produce all the hats you have in store um, in, the, in, the, in the studio space or do you have others? Almost everything. So like 95% of what's in the store is made by us right here. That said, I love to have unusual things by visiting artists. So I have like beautiful leather flower pieces by Stephanie Spencer. And I have some of uh, Jane Stoddard's beautiful stiffened lace creations that she's known for. And um, periodically, or at least, at least once a year, Mauro Zabar brings one of his amazing art collections. Although I don't always get to keep those for very long, because they get whisked off to museums <laughs> and, and things. Um, and I have like local girls who make my cut and sews and things that we don't make in the studio here, because we just have the millinery setup machine. Okay. And what are the common materials that you're using? What's your favorite materials to be using? <laughs> I mean, felt has got to be the most enjoyable to work with. It's so soft on your hands. Like the hat that I'm making right at this moment is made from a vintage featherweight felt that comes from Paris. The tag on it said that it was delivered to the US in February 1952. Amazing. Yeah, it was a real find. And you can see, again, uh, we were talking earlier about vibrancy of color, like the vibrance of color on these. They're manufactured in Paris, which of course no felt's manufactured in Paris anymore. Um, and the vibrance of the vintage dyes is just, you know, the intensity is just so much better than on the contemporary stuff. And it's so fine, right? It's an amazing felt. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so we use quite a lot of vintage materials, and those are very satisfying to use. Although kind of depressing, because in a way it's like, why doesn't this stuff still exist? But you've got to enjoy it while you can, and right. use it while you can, or else and actually, this never is never used. This one's the very last of this color, so it's a little bit bittersweet to make this hat very special hat. Yeah. And where do you hunt for your materials when you are searching? Well, stuff? this one was like these vintage felts. I actually spent about $30,000 on this little collection of felts. Um, was just a really lucky find. I just heard a rumor that a ribbon shop had unearthed an old collection. Um, in general, I just talk to people. So I hear about what's, what's going on. Also, one of the girls who used to work here who still teaches here and um, designs with me in race season is from the Philippines and uh, she goes home quite regularly so she's been um, bringing us some new kind of materials and colors and stuff from the Philippines so we're kind of excited to start working with Tinalac. Yes. Have you worked with Tinalac? Yeah, Tinalac. yeah a lot of this stuff kind of is common in Australia yeah, and in America collection. you know we really only get cinema we don't get... Do you have ginseng? Nope. I have to order it from Australia. Oh, no, I mean, I have it, yeah, yeah, sure, but yeah, it, it comes yeah. from Torben Reina. Yeah. And um, we don't get silk abaca here. Yeah. We don't get ginseng. We don't get tinelac. And also, like, 
we're not taught to use any of those materials when you go to FIT, which is the main millinery program for the US. So that's one of the things that we do here at the store is we have these teachers come in and teach these more exotic materials that are just not getting touched on in millinery school. So when you come into the store on a regular day, what does your day look like? Oh, well, we're always making hats. So the first thing is usually to look at the hats that we blocked the night before and finish uh, the ones that we've started. We're, you know, we always end the day with blocking and start the day with sewing and trimming. Um, we do everything on the machine. Well, I say that. You know, the hats are sewn on the machine, of course. Trimming is all done by hand. Yeah. And is that a chain stitch machine? Yeah, we call it a millinery setup machine, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is a chain stitch machine. Yeah. And what, what, so that's, you're using that for head fits for It's got the, it's doing the sweatband, it's doing the, the outside welt. You know, our price point, can't do everything couture. Yeah. <laughs> do you have ones that you will finish by hand or? Well, yeah, when it comes to stuff in race season and, like, um, you know, you're making a really beautiful parasitical hat. You're not going to do the uh, the edging all on a machine. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's definitely for the casual hats. Everything's banged down on the machine. Yeah. And then, so you'll come in, see where you've been up to. Do you have a? Do you have to spend half your day looking at checking your emails? Or you've kind of got, <laughs> got them sorted. No, no. As a small business owner, I basically am always on when it comes to emails. Yep. So uh, <laughs> that's something I do in bed before I even get up in the morning. <laughs> and you guys are very good on your social media as well. Do you? Is that something you, you manage? Know, very. <laughs> it is. Everything is all me. I'm afraid. I mean, I have a lovely assistant yep. who does a great job. Um, in the store but when it comes to social media and marketing and the website and everything this is all me <laughs> and um but you know we're lucky in new york because we interact with so many creative people on like an hourly basis practically so um you know we just tend to say yes to everything so people are always asking to photograph stuff uh, or come in and take photographs of us or you know, borrow the hats for all kinds of film events. And so by saying yes to everything, we're just constantly creating content for our, for our um, social media. So yeah, I think it really helps make the place look great. So yeah, I haven't had to actually take one of my own photographs for a really long time. <laughs> it's very fortunate. Yeah, New York's great. And of course, so many beautiful models come through the place and um, we quite often barter, you know, hats for content. So what, have you had any special pieces commissioned for um, fabulous New York events or it just happens that we do, up the Yeah, we do a lot of um, events. The biggest event for New York of, this, of the year is the Central Park Conservancy Luncheon. And that's been going on for years and literally year by year it becomes more and more of a serious event. And uh, for the first time I got to go myself this year. Oh, wonderful. Which was nice because I got to see our hats on heads and... Um, and turn about five of them around the right way around. Yes. Yes, which was good because the year before, it wasn't until they went into the press that I realized that people were wearing my hats backwards. One particular customer came in, I'd already seen her in the New York Times with her fascinator on backwards. And uh, she came into the store and complained to me that her hat was very uncomfortable. <laughs> and my instant response was, uh, yeah, our hats are really uncomfortable if you wear them backwards. And so I instigated a selfie policy, like you yeah. have to take a selfie before you leave the store so that you get it on the right way around. Very good you strategy. think that that would solve the problem. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Because when I arrived at the Central Park Conservancy luncheon, I bumped into, I had about 25 hats at the event. And yeah, five 
were not worn correctly. So, <laughs> five adjustments. So that's not bad, really. It's Only twenty percent worn wrong. Would they be frequent hat wearers, or they they? I guess they're not. I'm assuming that they're not. Yeah, that this is literally the only, certainly for Fascinator, that this is their only Fascinator event of the year. And, um, yeah, Americans are maybe not as accustomed to seeing people in these hats as, as people are in England or in Australia. So when it comes to summer, do you have the same kind of stock in here for the summer wave? So our casual hats, we actually do make pretty much exactly the same shapes yeah. um, in straw. And, um, I mean, with a few exceptions, you know, obviously things like the Bota don't translate as well, although we do have it in felt as well. Yeah. But, you know, some styles are really summer styles. Or you see that turquoise hat over there? It's yeah. got this lovely kind of wraparound brim where it's really wide at the at the sides and it's short at the back and, and kind of shorter at the front too. And that's such a fantastic summer shape. It's one of my absolute best sellers. I call it the Isadora. So you don't want to wear it with a long scarf in case you're decapitated. But... Um, <laughs> It's so like it's really wonderful sun protection because it wraps around your face. I make the same shape and felt, and I can never sell it. <laughs> it's like it's so dramatic, and like why? Why do I want to wrap myself in felt this way? It doesn't translate. It, it doesn't translate. But um, but of course, in summer we have a lot more kind of fanciful. Will you make um, a new range of shapes each year, or will you bring? No, I would say our stuff mostly evolves rather than being brand new. There'll quite often be like a couple of new shapes that come in each season but you know you can't reinvent the wheel every season yeah it evolves so it's more that the colors and the trims um are what make a uh, collection and um but you know the shapes are classics yeah and with your blocks are you where are these some ones you've acquired or are they ones that you've sought out well the block collection obviously um is something that started with barbara so barbara started building her collection in the early 90s and, you know, a lot of it's come from eBay. A lot of it's come from retiring milliners. Um, so we've got plenty of vintage. I actually had a big clear out when we moved in here. I think we sold as many as 200 blocks before we moved in. I think I've got about 250 now. Um, lovely diverse amount. And then few of them are like my designs where I've uh, made it from clay and then I've had a, a woodworker make it from my design. Or, you know, contemporary stuff from Guy Morse Brown or from Daryl. And they're all on display in the store, which, you know, is really fun, except for periodically people try and buy them. <laughs> You're like, no, <laughs> these are tools. How would I do my job if I sold you my tools? Do you find it's a way of also educating people on how a hat is made? Yeah, I mean, in front of them? one of the things people love about this store is how you know, in touch with what we're doing and how we're doing it, you are. The workshop is completely open to the retail space. And so we're always here making hats when people come into the store. And then, like I say, the tools are part of the decor. So yeah, most people, rather than trying to purchase them, just find it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so how far in advance are you are you working towards? I'm thinking about spring now. Yeah. So we're, we're um, but we're pretty current season. Yeah. You know, because it's retail, we don't, um, and we don't do wholesale at all. We're only direct to the customer. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking about spring designs now, but I probably won't start construction until January. And then by the end of March will be completely summer. Yeah. And um, the same goes for when we design for fall. We kind of work on stuff for August, no, July and August, and then we switch over in September. Okay. And will you replicate a style again? Like if this one sells in purple, will you sell another purple one? Well, yes, when it comes to the casual hats, um, yeah. 
what's working that season often is made multiple times until the materials run out quite often with the vintage materials. Um, that said, we do do um, some kind of more extravagant, more unique pieces. They tend to be more expensive too that are just one-offs and won't be repeated. Yeah. yeah. And for that Central Park event, is that something that's always been traditionally a hat event in New York or more only more recently? You know, it was designed to be a hat luncheon and it got... It's gotten bigger and more serious every year. So I think it's, it was in its 35th year this year. And yeah, every year the, and there's more tables and it becomes bigger and more competitive. Did you wear to the event? What was your... I wore um, a parasitical cloche. And uh, yeah, it was pretty understated. I didn't want to try and pull attention away from any of my clients. When's that event and how far in advance do people come in for that one? It's the first Wednesday in May. So actually, it coincides with the Kentucky Derby, which is basically our two biggest um, dressy events of the entire year. Both happen the same week. So the Kentucky Derby is the Saturday and the Central Park Conservancy is the Wednesday. It's a big time. Yeah, so the two weeks running up to that, because of course you can't ever make people come early enough. The two weeks coming up to that is the most stressful two weeks of my life ever. Yeah, last two weeks of April, don't even try and speak to me. And do you have you you have one assistant in here who helps? Do you have I, other people who come in? Yeah, I mean you really have to have people jump in in April. There's yeah. no way that I could cope without them. So yeah, I had. Um, luckily, you know the millinery community is really pretty tight knit, and the girls I went to school with are massively talented. And so I had a, a couple of classmates jump in and, and start work. That's amazing. <laughs> and are they time. normally working on their own ranges? Or yeah, they're not absolutely. The um, the girl I was speaking to you about who is from the Philippines, Denise Dong, she has her own line of accessories, so shoes um, as well as hats. So, yeah, luckily that's not the busiest season if you're in wholesale. <laughs> so she can come and jump in because we're retail. But also, you know, that's when it helps to have your guest designers so that you're not having to make everything. Yes. Yes. And how far will you order from your guest milliners? Uh, so I'll be talking to the Australians uh, probably in February as, as they're kind of winding down their season and we're just gearing up into ours. And um, yeah, I'm still feeling this stuff out because we didn't used to have guest milliners mm-hmm. at the last door at all. And what made, what made you transition to having some other milliners come into the store? Well, partly that it's just me now. Like it used to be Barbara and I together and um you know the expenses have gone up for the store as we've moved into a more expensive space and you know i've got to pay barbara for her business <laughs> so it's actually harder for me to um afford an assistant full time um so but also i like having that you know there's only so many i make a lot a very diverse number of styles um but everything has my fingerprint on it and so it's nice to have a few different fingerprints in the store yeah. you know really increase that diversity yeah. And have you found it's because it's named East East Village Hatters? Is that something that um, you find that people associate with the name East Village, or they're finding that they're coming because it's got you, your style and fingerprint on it? Have people like <laughs> transition? Well, you know, a lo- I mean, luckily I do. Barbara Feynman's client, having worked with me already over <laughs> there um, for five years, happily kind of came with me in this move. The name was really down to choosing something that is just very much a search term yeah <laughs> right where because people used to uh come in and be like oh i've i lost your hat shop for ages because i couldn't remember its name and you'd be like uh really because it's barbara Feynman millinery and it's like oh it just didn't stick with you yeah so you figure east village hats because it's literally the search term <laughs> what was that hat shop in east village called <laughs> 
Put in Google, there we go. Right, there we go. So we just made it a real no-brainer. Yeah. Um, and it felt like too big of a transition to go from her name to my name. Like yeah. that's so much more of a distance yeah. than coming to something generic like yes. East Village Hats. Thank you for Lovely having us. Lovely to meet you. It's good to be in the store and lovely to see all the beautiful hats. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this podcast of Millinery.info. This podcast was brought to you by the team at Millinery.info with thanks to Julia Knox of East Village Hatters. If you've enjoyed this podcast today, we invite you to share it with a fellow hat lover. You can do this by sharing the link to our SoundCloud, our website, or share a link through Instagram or Facebook. We've recently introduced Patreon, which allows you to support millinery.info to produce more content more often. We're looking at building our resources, so please check out our website. We have a wonderful directory of milliners. If you're not listed on this website and would like to be, please send us an email and let us know. Or if your favourite supplier isn't included on our list of millinery suppliers and other resources, please let us know as we'd love to include them. We hope you have a not-free sewing day and we look forward to bringing you the next podcast very soon.